The world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet. Baby Diego was stabbed outside a bar in Buenos Aires after refusing to sign an autograph. Witnesses at the scene say that Diego spat in the face of a fan who asked for an autograph. He was killed in the ensuing brawl. The fan was later beaten to death by the angry crowd. Born in 2009, the son of Marcelo and Silvio Ricardo, a working-class couple from Mendoza, he struggled all his life with the celebrity status thrust upon him as the world's youngest person. Welcome to Generation Loss, the movie show about movies yes. with me and Bryn and Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. We're talking about movies. Everything's normal. Everything's good. Everything is normal. And and this time we mean it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's great. We're feeling good. We're yes. feeling fine. The, uh... America is healing <laughs> and all is all is right oh my in God, the dude. world. <laughs> <laughs> we will never we will never be sad again. We will never feel lonely mm-hmm. again. The emptiness that you felt these past four years is now turning into a warm, bright light that mm-hmm. is filling you from the inside right, with we call pure that, joy. We call that feeling black girl magic. <laughs> that's what we got folks we got (laughs) it was it It was crazy did you walk around the neighborhood yeah it was great i mean honestly it's like it's hard not to get swept up in it and i i have i i have a whole shtick i want to talk about later about (laughs) i mean i did i I got out a little bit i i um i my mom was coming to drop off some baby stuff for me okay and uh I just gotten out of the car from from visiting, you know, my baby in the hospital, and I I just got out and I heard it on the radio, and I was like, oh damn, that's pretty crazy. I'm like oh, wow. walking down the street, and people are like jumping out the windows, like clanging <laughs> pots together. Going, yeah. I'm like, he's fucking done. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> and I like went upstairs and I got a couple of beers and I had a beer with my mom out on the street, and she's like, isn't this illegal? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> It's hard not to get swept up in like that sort of like collective emotion. Like totally. even if you know fully like you know th- this guy sucks and we don't like him and whatever. Oh, he's awful. He's awful. But at the same time you're like damn it feels good to be like part of something at at the same time as other people. It feels good to be like collectively feeling happy with other people and <laughs> you know like fuck it man. I really <laughs> like, I really wanted to, but I really had I I've always I don't know, maybe I don't know if it's a me thing or if it's mm-hmm. like a I'm just like so I've been a communist for too long, but I'm right. just like I couldn't help Literally, I saw four people wearing nasty women shirts. Right, yeah. And it's just like, these you people... You get pulled back to reality really quickly. Yeah, but like, in the moment, it was like noon o'clock, 
Uh, right. And I literally, like, I just started hearing clapping and, like, screaming. And I was like, yeah. what's going on? And I refreshed, like, the fucking state thing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, they called it. Um, and I you was like, it is. well, that's it's, good. Um, Trump is dead or whatever. But f- I, I, it was very quickly just like, these people are the same as MAGA people. Like, <laughs> this is the same thing. Yes. Like, this is just us being, or not us, but like the fucking Democratic voters just being like making fun of the MAGA people who are doing the triggered libs, like Skyward Scream meme. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It just feels so silly. And like. Yeah. I, um,. I'd compare this, uh, I'm going to borrow a metaphor from uh, the great comedian Billy Princell, who I would highly, highly recommend people check out. He's not very easy to find, but he's very, very funny. Uh, but he had a he had some joke that somehow involved the imagery of somebody um, uh, jacking off to porn, and then <laughs> the, uh, the screensaver goes on, and it like cuts to, you know, your screen cuts to black, but your your screen on your laptop becomes a mirror and you see yourself. <laughs> yeah. And it's this 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 instant feeling of like joy to feeling of like dread in just this like momentary thing. And and that's kind of what it feels like to be out on the street having a drink with your mom, being like, Wow, I can't believe this era is like actually coming to an end. Yeah. And then seeing somebody in like a nasty woman shirt and being like, Oh, oh no. <laughs> well what I think a lot of people haven't realized is that it's not just that Trump lost, it's that K Hive won. Yes, of course. And K-Hive yeah. is, if you forgot, extremely scary and detrimental to society. Yeah, <laughs> like and those actually, are the craziest people. This kind of transitions well into my what what did I watch this week? Okay, because um, I've been seeing a lot of on Twitter, a lot of K-Hive people now are just like outwardly and openly being um, super turfy, transphobic. I know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all knew. I feel like we all kind of, even if you didn't explicitly name it. Like, if you didn't, sure. you know, fully say to yourself, like, this is transphobia is what's behind this. We all kind of, I think, somewhere deep in our heart of hearts knew that that's what was motivating that particular behavior. <laughs> because, it, like, even if they never explicitly stated it, you you always felt familiar when you were talking to K-Hivers. Sure, there's a certain kind of, like, I think a lot of people who aren't, there's a kind of normie feminism that is mm-hmm. about, like, women with a Y or like, you know, we have, you know, pussy hats and right. uteruses and like those people did get criticized for being like, I guess, I don't know. What is it called? Like bio uh, centric or something. Yeah, sure. And, it's I like, mean, yeah. and they were just like, whatever, fuck you. We don't care. And most people were probably just like, well, it's normies. But a lot of people were like, these people are ter. <laughs> like, these right. people hate trans people, and they aren't... Like, they're fucking right-wingers. And mm-hmm. that's the problem, <laughs> is that these we elected a cop, <laughs> a police officer, and a fucking person... Doddering who, old man. ...who yeah. invented, like, the militarization of police. Mm-hmm. Like, wrote it on a bill and signed his name, and was like, yeah. this is how we're going to make black people slaves again. And that's, like, what we're replacing Trump with. So it's like... Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate that that was the alternative to the guy who was turning <laughs> the oven on the earth from 400 to 425. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's these like deeply unfortunate positions that we find ourselves in where you're like, yes, I'm glad that the cop won, I guess. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not... That was actually a Hard Times article that was like... 
excitement of Trump losing immediately replaced with the dread of Biden winning. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's pretty much how it felt. Yeah. So um, what but, did you watch? Oh, so I watched The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Because I remember we had talked about this once before on the show, and I could—I feel like we kind of settled on we couldn't remember if it's transphobic or what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely transphobic. Is it really? Oh my god! It's weird though because it's like it feels like a like a wildly modern transphobia that that emanates from this film in such a way that you're like <laughs> I cannot possibly possibly believe that this movie was made in 1991. There's no way that they already <laughs> knew all this stuff. That would it's like. <laughs> it's like when you go back and like uh, play Deus Ex and you see that like the World Trade Center isn't there and they're like it was destroyed in a terrorist attack and you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, is that really in that yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, Holy uh-huh. shit! I should play that again. Yeah, um, but it's so in in this case like the thing with um, Silence of the Lambs first and foremost, fantastic film. It's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's really a- great. It it like as a piece of film amazing mm-hmm. uh do not understand why hannibal lecter always has to be in the magneto prison but you know because <laughs> like, he's I too guess smart he's too smart He'll and he'd use- eat you real good and whatever <laughs> it's very funny the first time that when he like escapes from yeah. jail and like the first thing he does is just bite that guy on the face <laughs> <laughs> you're like wait what is this guy is yeah, he like, like oh a- cannibal of course he's yeah. a feral animal who's just gonna eat a guy raw like uh-huh. i don't get it <laughs> It's one thing to have, like, that's what's funny about that movie is that there's a certain level of, like, pathology where they, like, took pieces of, like, Dahmer and Gein Mm -hmm. and Ted Bundy and, like, made this, like, super serial killer. Right. But, like, didn't actually think about how the psychology works because if he's so supposed to be, like, super smart. (laughs) Right. Like, why is he also, like, an animal sometimes and he just becomes, like, this... I guess it's kind of fun in a way oh, that it's <laughs> like it's like because uh, his whole shtick is that he's like like this classy sort of like you know he seems like he probably like gives monthly to NPR like he has this <laughs> sort of vibe about him where he's like drawing pictures of Venice and he's like I I don't have a window in my room mm-hmm. so I draw Venice Clarice you know <laughs> yeah and then and then like the the fava beans and the nice Chianti is like such a perfect line for him because you're like oh he eats people but he eats them in like a very particular way like this is about like enjoying the subtleties of the flavor of the man yeah. you know <laughs> and that ca- that always tracked for me is like this weird example of like it's not just that he has like a sexual proclivity or like a, some sort of weird fetish for like the disgusting taboo of doing it he like it, it's like it's like the man is the most like dangerous game kind of right. thing with like this weird ruling class thing and like that all worked, except like you say, when he fucking like bites the guy's nose off. It's like, yeah, well, it's that's just t- incongruous. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I get the idea is that you're supposed to be like, oh, like he wants to present this image of control, but he doesn't really have it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I think that it probably would have been more effective if he just broke the guy's neck. You know? Yeah, yeah, something, <laughs> something, some kind of classier violence. Yeah, but so the thing that I noticed in this viewing of it, well, first of all, is that yes, Buffalo Bill being trans is a huge part of it, and they bring <laughs> it up a lot. 
uh, oh, like uh, when you know when Clarice is like first talking to Hannibal, and he's like he's like you know Clarice, who else transforms? <laughs> and she's like she's like moths, and he's like who else? And she's like there's there's no link between trans people and and murder. And he's like oh heavens, you know like, he, he's very clearly oh, he's like there? he's like some sort of like fucking like four chan Paul guy who has like a whole Google Doc of like stats about like trans murder and whatever. And she just keeps being like, but there's nothing in the DSM that says anything about that. And he's like oh, but is that Clarice? <laughs> I have multiple research studies. Did you know that despite making up 0.1% <laughs> just doing FBI crime statistics? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. This yeah. is a big part of it, man. I, I, now <laughs> like that you I'm, can't really like separate the two. Now that I'm thinking about the movie, like is the is there like any scene where what's the character's actual name like Jane Gum or something. Oh yeah, it's um, like it's it's a weird name. It's not Jane. It's like oh, Jame with an Jame? M. Jane Gum, like yeah. James, but without as s. But without the s. Yeah, it's one Jame. Jame Gum. What a strange name. Yeah, <laughs> strange name. Yeah, but like Jane. I can't think of a a a scene where they're not like being. Like dressing up or something. Uh, yeah, they they're dressing up or they're like yelling at the person down in the hole or whatever. Um, really underrated Buffalo Bill line, by the way, when uh, Clarice first gets to the house and she's like, "We're looking for you know whoever, like this girl who's gone missing." Oh yeah, and, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know who that is." Oh, wait, is she a great big fat girl? <laughs> <laughs> is she a great big fat person? <laughs> Just like the kind of thing that like really like tips off like oh this guy said this before yeah <laughs> this is how he describes this type of person <laughs> she a great big fat person is she a great big fat person <laughs> <laughs> much Very. better line than it puts the lotion on its skin that's stupid right that's a song what's that song the green the greensmen have a song like about it puts the know. lotion on its skin. There's a weird, um, I drive past every day now, there's a basket uh, factory, uh, <laughs> like what? a basket warehouse or something. It's a company called United Basket that's like on this <laughs> corner that I drive past all the time. Okay. And I know that they're there because they have a big mural on the side of their building that they commissioned a graffiti artist to make that's okay. like a hose and a basket and they have like voice bubbles from each other being like it puts the lotion in or something like that it's just like a weird piece of art that you're like why would you want your basket company associated (laughs) with this like horrendous terrible thing (laughs) maybe they are maybe it's actually like a front for the zach galifianakis vehicle baskets (laughs) where he is a clown or whatever that could be (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, but then the other thing is that, yeah, there's like this very modern, like transmedicalist sort of thing that, um, really, like when she's like saying something about, you know, like there's no link between trans people and murder. And he's like, well, <laughs> Buffalo Bill isn't really trans. Oh. He didn't, he didn't feel dysphoria. <laughs> you know, like, what? Like, I mean, he goes, he doesn't quite get there, but he says like, like they wouldn't give him a sex change operation because he couldn't prove he was trans enough <laughs> or something like that. Oh, he was in England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, Hannibal Lecter's uh, voice has always kind of struck me as like a little bit uh, he is uh, a English British guy. I think in the in the second movie, Hannibal. Yeah, he it's goes, just goes a back weird to accent. London. I don't really quite know how to place, but it sounds like riffraff and Frieza. <laughs> does sound like that except not as high as frieza yeah it's like it's well it's second form frieza when he gets a little deeper oh right and mm-hmm. it's it's riffraff from rocky horror right for sure <laughs> so do you think it's a good movie was it scary it's a fantastic movie it's it's incredible it's not really scary when you know everything that happens in it because you've seen it countless times over the course of a life <laughs> but yeah it's a fantastic movie um it's really tense and like well directed I think if you watch it too many times, you start to poke holes and be like, none of this really makes a whole lot of sense. They don't really explain a lot of stuff too okay. much. Um, but no, it's it's the best. It's a fucking <laughs> great movie. And Anthony Hopkins alone is like worth the ticket price. What a fucking actor. Yeah. Unbelievable I, I how feel good like, he is in that. <laughs> I feel like the last time I... Uh, I watched it. I was like surprised that they were making it work. Mm-hmm. That was like my big takeaway. It was like, this is a stupid premise yes, and a dumb absolutely. movie. There's no reason for him. Like the, it, it it's a weird movie because it feels like they don't know which one they want to spend time with. They yeah. don't know if they want it to be the Hannibal Lecter show or the Buffalo Bill show. Ultimately, the plot is she needs to catch Buffalo Bill. She doesn't need Hannibal at all. He doesn't really give her anything valuable. And she figures everything the, out. He's like famously not in the movie for that much of it. It's like only like 10 minutes of screen time or something. I mean, he gets a pretty good chunk of screen time and, yeah. and they follow him through his prison break where you're like, what does this have to do with this? <laughs> what, what is, is happening on? with him? Why am I seeing him break out of jail and then go and, and murder the psychiatrist? You know what I mean? Like, And there isn't a reason, right? There like, isn't. No, it means nothing at all. Um, it just is there to be like a cute ending where like he can call her and be like, I'm having a friend for lunch. <laughs> coo, 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 coo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely just mesmerizing performance from him. Right. Like from the moment he's on screen, you're like, oh my God, like how am I not watching him? So give me, Give me the Hannibal show and then they make Hannibal and you're like, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought people loved that show. I've never seen the show, but I mean the movie. Oh, right. Oh, The movie sucked, and so did Red Dragon. That's right. It did. Um, <laughs> I did see both of those, and they were bad. <laughs> yeah, they waited too long is really the problem, mm-hmm. I think. I think they probably could have made it work if they did it like right, right after. Yeah, probably. I think it was just a runaway hit, and like Jonathan Demme was like, no, I'm not going to do That's weird. I don't- right. <laughs> Why would I do that? Because what else did that guy do? Jonathan Demme? Yeah. Um, Something. Thing. He was a sort of big guy. Uh, he did Philadelphia. That's what it was. God, yeah. that oh my movie God, fucking what a, sucks. Well, what a career from him, huh? You go from Silence of the Lambs immediately to Philadelphia, which which won like a bunch of Oscars and stuff. Did it? Oh yeah, I think it might have won Best Picture. No Am way. I wrong about that? No. Accolades, Academy Awards, Best Actor, Tom Hanks, Best Damn. Original Song. One and then nominated for makeup and screenplay. Okay, so not best, not best picture. Oh, he did Beloved with Oprah. That movie's kind of good. He did The Manchurian Candidate, which uh, kind of sucked. Yeah, he doesn't make good movies. Not great movies. Um, dude, <laughs> have you ever seen Philadelphia? I don't even know if I have actually. It's 
such trash. Like it's surprising because you you I'd only heard I mean, that it's it was a legendary like, movie. Legendary. It's like it's the kind of thing that like you just know as a cultural thing. It's, it's one of those those things. I think I've talked about this one on on this show. Is like my left foot. Mm-hmm. Like won a ton of Oscars. Everyone thinks Channel Day Lewis is incredible, and that that movie is fucking terrible. Like <laughs> one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Does have a pretty interesting performance, but he's just pretending to have cerebral palsy. Um, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia is similar in that he's like doing a lot, but it's like really cheesy. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, Signs of the Lambs. I remember being okay, pretty fun, very spooky, and like very riveting and entertaining um it moves along very well uh it doesn't drag pretty much ever um there's a lot of stuff that you're like this could have been simplified but it's hard to really like it it feels weird to do that with like an old and legendary movie where you're like who the fuck am i like this is like an (laughs) eternal film you know to be like to be like you could have spent a little more time with buffalo bill shut up (laughs) shut up jeremy (laughs) you don't know but i do remember like isn't there like a whole thing at the end where she has like night vision goggles on yeah where she's got to track buffalo bill and she's in the house and like he turns the lights off (laughs) and he's like final boss time you know (laughs) and she's got to like find the way to like shoot the window to turn the lights on you know like it feels very video gamey at the end but Mm -hmm. it's not that long so it's fine all right uh so one thing i watched so it was i feel like it was halloween so long ago i know right it's an eternity but i don't think we've actually done one since halloween we haven't very strange um i did watch something on halloween that i wanted to talk about um but before i mentioned that i wanted to mention that i um watched i think almost all of this show on youtube called on cinema at the cinema (laughs) Okay. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> I maybe, I don't know. So I watch a lot of that type of shit just like trying to find other takes about the movies we watch. Uh, oh, okay. Well, this is this is a YouTube this was not a actual YouTube show. This is a Tim Heidecker show. Okay. So this is Tim Heidecker and Neil Hamburger, Greg Turkington, um just pretending to be huge nerds who don't who are like big movie buffs right in their own minds but that like greg's whole thing is that he just like has a bunch of vhs's of like shitty 80s and 90s beat like flops mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then they rate everything five bags of popcorn uh <laughs> and then nothing ever gets an under that <laughs> like right. everything is incredible to them um but it's an incredible series because they're all like 10 you know five to ten minutes long and they they rate two movies. It's sort of like the way this show is, except they're horrible to each other. Right. Like slowly over time, you start like getting weird pieces of their lives where Tim is just this like abusive right wing shithead <laughs> who like is like secretly trying to make his own show and is like dating this woman from from Japan and like impregnating her. It's very interesting and I think funnier than it. I'm not a big like tim and eric fan like i think yeah i was gonna say i actually actively loathe tim and eric okay uh <laughs> i liked his movie uh one of them made the comedy yeah i liked that so it's and then more... otherwise i don't really like them at all so we, i i i it's hit or miss for me with like the tim and eric stuff mm. but i think tim's sort of extremely awkward like 
when it's not like slapping like slapsticky absurdity off the wall kind of humor it mm-hmm. gets way better for me and for me i think greg turkington makes this show um okay. who i didn't know anything about ex- yeah like, i'm trying to remember neil hamburger that is. is that guy who has, i know like, neil hamburger so that's all he's really been in um but the way this show sort of like leaks into real life um and the way they um don't change their names you know they're not playing they're playing like fictionalized versions of themselves um Mm -hmm. it's really clever i think and ends up being really funny in a way i don't think i've really seen anything be that before it's really strange (laughs) because they they so specifically get at a certain kind of like movie nerd right yeah doesn't have taste at all but loves movies and loves like the idea of movies but like well it's like doug loves (laughs) movies you ever listen to that podcast is that the high guy yeah yeah, yeah. getting doug with high yeah doug benson Mm -hmm. used to i mean i think he probably still does it it's a very fun like game show concept but then like anytime he actually talks about movies you're like you don't like really have any sort of particular appreciation for movies. You just see them. <laughs> like, you just, just watch goes, them because you're fucking high all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's his thing, and that's and he makes no, you know, he makes no, you know, uh, uh, other sort of claim about himself. He'll say actively like, "I just see everything," you know. Right. It doesn't seem like he has anything to say, really, <laughs> and that's why it's a game show about remembering stuff about movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I like. I like trivia and stuff, yeah. but like that's uh I I think I there's a lot of people who are just like movies are cool. I can talk about movies. I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of them, but like don't know why they like what they like or don't know have any sort of political or like even liter- literary sort of takes on stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm like that a lot of the time. <laughs> I think you have a lot of political things to say about the movies you watch. Um <laughs> But it's very, I, I, I found it really funny and, and I was really bingeable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend it, especially just because Greg is such a treasure. I didn't know I liked him so much. I definitely never really found Neil Hamburger very funny. Right. Um, but the, them together, just being awful to each other is, is so funny. Yeah, I could see how they would vibe really well in that way. Neil Hamburger is a very specific very very specific act that it's yeah. hard to really uh, i don't know i mean it, it feels really douchey to say but it is like a very like stand-up stand-up sort of thing where Absolutely. it's like it feels like it's ex- explicitly for stand-ups and i don't really know <laughs> how he sells tickets <laughs> it's it's weird because it's like the point is that he's being bad at things and right but bad at things in a very specific way that's right. like rings really true to people who like either do it or consume a lot of it is the only other way that I can like really see uh-huh. it making any sense. I, I, I have consumed and, and hung out with enough standups that it makes sense to me. Like I'm like, Oh, I get what he's doing. Right. But I don't like, I appreciate that. It seems really hard. I think one of the biggest things is that I don't know what his real personality was like. Mm-hmm. And until I started watching this show, I was like, oh, he's a really different person. Like, right. it's not a little bit different. It's a lot different. It's like, like it's a fully a, different voice. It's and a like completely different character. Different. Yeah. Um, and it, it, watching this show made me really appreciate, like, the craft of it mm-hmm. um, and, like, the characterization. Um, he's just, he's a genius. 
it's I, a very like he's <laughs> he's a modern you know he's he's very much in the in the vein of like an Andy Kaufman yeah where like Andy Kaufman bits if you only knew him from a bit then you're like yeah sure he's like the Latka guy like right. but then once you hear him talk you're like oh he's nothing like Latka yeah he's nothing like the Tony um, Clifton Tony Clifton yeah it, it's a just a different guy <laughs> yeah oh completely different guy and then uh, you become so intensely mesmerized by how well he's able to occupy that person you and know I, and that that's what's so interesting because this fictionalized version of greg turkington like is very similar to his like mannerisms but like mm-hmm. the uh, you got to see some of this episode yeah i'm gonna it's check pretty it out. Weird. I'm it's pretty weird uh <laughs> Anyway, I didn't want to spend that much time on that, but I wanted to say that I saw this other movie that I'd seen before, um, but it was for Halloween. I uh, hung out with a couple of friends, um, and we watched like three movies, um, but one of them that really I remembered was very impressive was called Pumpkinhead. Okay. Have you ever seen Pumpkinhead? I don't think so. So Pumpkinhead is a movie uh, directed by Stan Winston who famously did a lot of uh, great special effects stuff like the mm-hmm. like Alien and Jurassic Park and Predator and like yeah. he's you know Stan Winston if you Ooh and Inspector Gadget with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. But um I think this might have been his first like direct move like I can't remember if he I can't remember if he had directed much stuff before this but um the movie is crazy. Um, it's a movie that's about you. You know, it's a monster movie, right? Like you, there's going to be a monster, and it's a big um, sort of alien-style-looking thing. It's a demon, is what yeah, it really this looks is. Really intense. It's gross, and it and it's on the cover of the VHS box. And I always <laughs> assumed it was going to be like a sl- dumb, you know, gross slasher or whatever. But the movie uh, stars Lance Henriksen, who is Bishop from Aliens. Okay. And um, he's like a father and a farmer or something, like lives on this, you know, farm. Uh, and these, the movie takes its time to set up this group of kids who are like riding, you know, riding motorcycles in the, in the fields around this sort of abandoned town. And uh, and then really takes its time setting up this father son relationship between the little town, like uh, like a half an hour to forty five minutes of like just these characters, and then what happened? The inciting incident of the movie is that one of the kids accidentally kills his child, mm-hmm. like by crashing into him with a motorcycle, and then what happens is is that he decides to get vengeance on him by bringing sort of in a pet cemetery sort of way. He wants to get his kid like revived by this like witch who lives in the forest. Um, But then it becomes like, she's like, you can't, you can only get revenge. And he's like, fine, I want that. (laughs) And uh, so he, she like resurrects this demon to like kill the kids or whatever. It's a little more complicated than that, but there's a scene in this movie that captures the feeling of something extremely bad happening where, where like when the when the kid runs into the little kid with a motorcycle that I've never seen on in a movie like it mm-hmm. feels so realistically like nobody knows what to do everyone is panicking but it's like there isn't much to do and some people are just like don't move him and like running for help um and that whole like sequence is one of the most like nerve-wracking <laughs> and like intense scenes I've seen in a really long time uh right. 
kind of reminds me of the movie we're going to talk I about. I was going to say, yeah, it <laughs> sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. But for for a Halloween sort of like big monster slasher movie, like it's, I think, uniquely and it's a little bit special in the sense of how it like really makes you care about some of the people that you're going to see die mm-hmm. um, by an enormous big rubber demon monster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and also the demon monster is awesome. Uh, so I, I liked it. It looks so sick. It's it so looks sick. like what a wild fucking uh, uh, effect for a three and a half million dollar movie. In yeah. 1988. Which, so I mean, maybe like what, <laughs> 6 million by today's standards. Which like, flopped. They've only made 4.4 million yeah. back. And like, it, it, it's definitely a cult film. Like it, it's a movie that most people. 86 minutes long. <laughs> oh yeah. Stretching to, stretching to hit that feature length. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. There's nothing really happens. It's like you set up these characters, the, this tragic thing happens. And then there's this, like, it's a tragic vengeance story. Mm-hmm. And then like, they all die. <laughs> you know, it's not not really spoiling anything. You should watch it though cuz it's it's creepy, it's moody looking, the special effects are great and that scene I just couldn't really cuz I watched that and then I watched this <laughs> the, like the next day. Right. Uh, and I was like, "Oh wow. This rarely do you see a movie this that does that this well." Um Yeah. So, we might as well talk about it. Yeah, let's get into it. We watched Children of Men this week. Children of Men, 2006, Alfonso Cuaron, starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, uh, and not Anthony Hopkins, uh, Michael Michael Caine, Michael Caine, uh, and some other people. And some I'm other not gonna, people. I'm not going to try whoever okay. this person is. <laughs> oh, Chetel Chetel Ejiofor. Yeah, um, not going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce his first name. Chewy, I think. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this movie came out in 2006. Um, we started talking about doing this on the um, Kane Skittles episode. Oh, yeah. When we watched uh, Jesus Camp, we had talked about it very briefly with them. And um, I had never seen it before. Bryn, you have seen it. Have you seen it more than once? Is this like a yeah, repeat yeah, view yeah. for you? I had seen it. So I saw it in the theater and I saw it... Um, a couple times after that, uh, show, showing it to people. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird because Kuran is a pretty famous director at this point. You know, he won yeah. an Oscar. He's won Oscars. Oh, didn't he just do... He win Roma and yeah, Gravity he, and... Roma, Gravity. He did the only good Harry Potter movie. That's right. Uh, Itumama Tambien. And that movie yeah. was before this, so... Really, yeah, yeah, really. I mean, this guy's got, like, some serious Bangers. serious movies on, yeah. his, on his belt <laughs> really good director uh, i mean he made the prisoner of azkaban i mean come uh, on come folks. On. <laughs> <laughs> you may say to read a different book but i say it's a pretty good movie <laughs> i say watch a different movie <laughs> um but yeah so this one somehow it didn't get nominated for... I remember being pissed in 2006. This was actually the year, because this was the, the year I went to film school mm-hmm. um, in 2006. And I remember it being the year where I was like, oh, the Oscars are bullshit. Yeah, it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It, it got nominated for cinematography, cinematography, screenplay, and editing. Which um, is like the kind of bullshit that you give to action movies. Exactly. So, I guess we'll just do a recap of what this movie is about, which is... It's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, in the year 2027, which is actually not that far from now and at this point, um, yeah. Britain has d- 
descended into deep fascism because yeah, well, so so the the background for this is that the world has uh had a um a um infertility uh, problem infertility crisis where just it's just not even a crisis it's just it's infertility that's just it a baby nobody can hasn't have babies been anymore born in 18 years yeah similar premise to um the handmaid's tale Oh, Except yeah. in The Handmaid's Tale, there are some people who can still have babies and they become like a permanent underclass. Right. Um, but in this, there just isn't anybody. <laughs> um, right, there's nobody. And so Clive Owen is an ex-leftist like activist um, who now works at a desk job doing PR or something. It, it's very yeah. unclear what he does. Um, it also doesn't matter. Um uh, we we open the movie with the world's youngest person who's eight, who I believe was eighteen years old. Uh, yeah, he was stabbed in a bar fight, basically, and uh, everyone's sad about that. And then you, uh, the the store he was just in blows up, and uh, you're immediately uh, faced with a world that is being extremely uh, torn apart by uh, political violence and uh, poverty. And yeah, they kind of like uh, they and they they kind of like stress to you as well that like what's happening is that like the because there's no new babies being born, the economy is just being completely, you know, devastated everywhere. Most countries do not have a stable government anymore. Um, England somehow is like the only one left and they're only barely holding on to it with this like extreme fascism. Um, yeah. And it's like constantly being tested to the point where you're like is this even you know is this even better <laughs> right there the the thing about this movie and what what's what's so hard to talk about it um as i realized watching this movie i was like this is going to be tough uh because it's hard to encapsulate because of how well it's told all mm-hmm. everything in this movie about the world this movie has some of the most incredible world building I've ever seen in a film. Like so much of it is not said, but just shown you're passing. See, I was going to, okay. So this is the first place where I'm going to say something controversial. Okay. I, so I loved this movie. I really, really loved it. Okay. I have so many great things to say about it, (laughs) but the one thing that I hated about this movie and it makes me so mad is the dialogue in the first 10 to 15 minutes is the most like capital E expository dialogue there I've is, heard in a movie in a long ass time. <laughs> yeah. There is one, especially one scene that really stuck out like a sore thumb to me is when they first go to uh, Michael Caine's house mm-hmm. and there's yeah, an and they're driving screen. past the bus of the, the refugees and yeah. Michael Caine is like refugees. Yeah. <laughs> They come here looking for a better life, and then we lock them up. Yeah. What the <laughs> You're fuck? like, thanks, Michael. And he's I, like, by the way, in case you've forgotten, nobody can have babies anymore, <laughs> and that's yeah. why they're all coming here. <laughs> We're the only ones with a government left. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, that was so out of place that I almost suspected that it had been added later in like yeah. a Blu-ray release. Like, I honestly don't know if that was, it's not the case. Like it, I, because I don't remember that mm-hmm. line and I don't know if that was even there because the scene works so beautifully if they just said nothing. 
Right. You see it passing, and they're like, "This was gonna say is like, know, the, like he's such a good director, and this is one of the best directed movies I've possibly ever seen." Right. And it tells so <laughs> much without this that it's like so infuriating that it's there <laughs> that you're like, "Why don't you trust yourself, Alfonso? Yeah, Why don't I, you trust yourself?" I must. I have to insist that that must have been some kind of <laughs> like studio interference where they're like, "You've got to explain a little bit." You've got to do something. Are. And they do it in the beginning with the with the baby guy dying also where they're just like he's the last baby born by the way no babies are born as you may recall from this horrible thing happening to the world Uh (laughs) yep uh so but but besides but other than that yeah besides a few no i don't think that's controversial because i was shocked at some of those scenes in the very beginning i was like do they really lay it out like this um because the rest of the movie kind of is almost obfuscatory and like really like l- trusts you with a lot of stuff later on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't know by the end of the movie like what the revolution was supposed to be for, what they wanted to gain from this baby or whatever. We don't know, we don't what, know what the human project is. Yeah, so much stuff is left, uh, you know, vague and and allows you to put a lot of your own stuff on it. And it's so I was really surprised watching this again for the first time in probably a while, probably six seven years probably um Mm -hmm. i was very surprised by that so what happens is besides those things it really is hard to talk about otherwise because a lot of stuff is just done very quickly um so what happens is once you know that they're doing america stuff (laughs) uh they're doing fascist stuff they're you know exporting a bunch of people all all non-british people without passports are being uh deported um all this stuff is happening politically uh clive owen is approached by his ex-girlfriend's uh ex-wife's i guess um activist group called the fishes right yeah and um they have this thing they want him to do which is help get a woman uh across a border to somewhere um, yeah, they're trying to get this woman out of the country for some reason, and he's not really clear why. But they're going to pay him a lot of money, and he has the ability to get passes from his brother. Yeah, because um, his brother is like a government bureaucrat of some type. Yeah, he like runs the Ark of Art, which is a really cool scene. Um, and so he does so after some you know, finagling. He is like, I don't want to, and then he ends up doing it. Um, he... Uh, he gets the passes, this sort of entryway stuff, and they bring him to the girl. Um, I, I'm a little lost on how what the yeah. Steps I mean, are. the 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 main the the high level thing here is that like they they're doing this thing where they got to get this woman across a border uh, through a bunch of different events in the process of telling him what he needs to do and getting him to the girl. Uh, his ex-wife is shot and killed in a really incredible action <laughs> sequence. Uh, they have to get out of there and like disappear so that these people who are shooting at them don't find them. In the process, they also kill some cops, which is pretty cool. And then wow. uh, they you go to their little secret a, hideaway. You find out that they had a baby together, but the baby died. Yeah, in some, some background stuff, you find a little bit about him um, that they, they lost their baby, yeah. 
Um, but then they go to the hideout and then he finds the girl who's got to sneak across the border and it turns out she's pregnant. She's pregnant with the only baby that's been born for 18 years. That's why they got to get her out of there. They can't let anybody, you know, be with her, right? Because right. they're like, we can't trust anybody to, to be involved in this. We got to get her out of the country. Right. To so the human project, we don't know what the human project is. We never know what the human project is. Right. We just got to get her out of here. It's like almost a myth. People talk about it like they're not sure it exists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, until and even if it does very... exist, you don't know what <laughs> they do with the baby or whatever, you know? Right. Um, um, and that's kind of, we'll get to that at the end, that it's kind of like, it, it kind of drives home the point of the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, um, but so they, but he like overhears them at night. And this is another one of those scenes where I'm kind of like, the dialogue is a little whack, where sure. like overnight he overhears them saying like, we're going to use the baby to spark a revolution. And also we're going to kill Clive Owen and whatever. And he's like, we got to get out of here. (laughs) Zoinks. We got to (laughs) go. He like grabs her and they run away. Um, And he goes to his dad's house. And at this point it becomes a, like a hundred times better film from this point on basically. Oh yeah. Is when this becomes, it's pretty good up until this point. They go to Michael Caine's house, right? They go to Michael Caine's house. Yeah. That's not his dad, Um, is it? Yeah, it's his dad. What? Yeah, Michael Caine is his dad. It is? It's Clive, Wo- Clive Owen. I always want to call him Clive Warren, but it's Clive <laughs> Owen. <laughs> uh, Clive Warren. Okay, I don't... Yeah, Clive, o- Cl- Clive Owen's dad is Michael Caine. Um, and uh, yeah, they go to him. He, you I know... I they were just friends. It, it becomes this kind of... Throughout the rest of the film, it becomes this fantastic game of like different people's response to this woman and knowing that there's a baby and you see different people one by one just line up to sacrifice everything for this baby. Right. Like nobody cares about anything anymore except this baby. Mm -hmm. And you know, Michael Caine is like, Hey, get the fuck out of here. These people are trying to find you. You go, I'll stall them. And you're like, you're going to die. And he's like, I'm going to die. And yeah. he goes and like kisses his wife goodbye. And then he like tries to like fuck with these guys. And in a very, by the way, a lot of comedy in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of unexpected comedy. Like in this scene when Michael Caine is like stalling for time and he makes him pull his finger and he farts and then they shoot him. And then he like gets up and like calls them pussies and then they yeah, shoot him like, again. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of funny scenes like that where like uh, the woman with the baby like names it after uh, Clive Owen's dead son and she's like it can be a girl's name too yeah (laughs) Yeah, I want to I want to name my baby bazooka (laughs) Uh, yeah there's a lot of fun banter between uh, the girl whose name is key um, and Clive Owen uh, as they sort of go through this her, you know hellscape of yeah. uh, of Britain and then they get help from a fascist guy who's a border patrol um, who oh that's right yeah uh, is crazy but mm-hmm. is actually going to help them um, for a while but everybody and he's wants- possibly the only character who doesn't care about the baby. He doesn't seem to really give a shit. He sort yeah, of like he's realizes, the only one. Everybody he realizes else. that it's uh, something he could use. He turns on them. Basically, he realizes there's something he could use to like get money or, or like it would be cool if he had it or something. Right. But like there's no reason. He's just like, whatever. That's cool. I'm going to take the baby. <laughs> um, so so they go. They to lose. a refugee camp and they, they got to like 
there's like a boat that's supposed to be waiting for them in this refugee camp. Right. And so they, they go to the refugee camp and they meet up with a Russian girl who is supposed to hook them up with a boat. Um, they say at her like communist family's house and then, uh, end up having the baby, uh, which is an intense scene, um, in a movie full of them. And then they've got a baby the whole time. And then, uh, the fishes are constantly trying to catch up with them, which right. is and funny because you kind of danger. assume that the move, that the fishes at, at are are sort of like a leftist revolutionary group. Mm-hmm. But the more like you get to know them, they're sort of just this anti. They're like an anti-government, anti-border patrol group who are just like trying to use the baby as their own sort of like yeah there's not a lot of clear ideology really coming from anybody in the movie because mm-hmm. except for basically people. like the only the only like clear ideology is like this baby is important yeah that's the only thing that's ever clear is like people are like this baby is important it's going to change something yeah um and so they uh so they finally the fishes catch up with them and are going to kill Clive Owen and the and Key now that she has had the baby and take the baby for themselves, um, but then sets off an incredible eight minute long single take scene uh, where they, you know, try to keep themselves protected. Uh, they end up uh, getting away from the fishes as the the border patrol come to have a shootout with the border patrol, and then finally they get away. Um, just because the baby starts crying and then everyone's kind of stops. <laughs> yeah. in possibly one of the best scenes I've ever seen in any a movie, movie, any ever. movie, any uh, movie ever. I would put this up against. It is difficult to describe how good that scene is. And it only um, works if you see the rest of the movie. Unfortunately, you can't, don't watch you can't just, just look at this on YouTube. <laughs> you've got to watch the whole movie. The, yeah. You've got to, especially you've got to see the whole scene leading up to it. And like oh, for really, sure. really and, be there for it, <laughs> and know why the sides are fighting, and know why they're trying to get away from both of them. It, it's important. Um, so that scene happens, and they finally get to the boat, and then uh, they row out into the ocean and are like hanging out on a fucking bobbing rowboat, waiting for a ship called the Tomorrow that may or may not exist. Yeah. Um, and that's when they have a heartfelt scene where she that he's been shot and she says she's going to name the baby after his baby. Um, Dylan, I think Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, Hey, Dylan Farrow. And, uh, <laughs> and then at the very end, the boat called the tomorrow. Yeah. Well, or, well, Clive dies and then well, the boat he comes. passes out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I assumed he died. <laughs> I assume he dies too, but I kind of always um, like to imagine that he, they maybe fix he him makes up. It, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause yeah, the boat does actually show up. And, you know, it could have been the kind of thing where it's, like, left ambiguous and whatever, but I really appreciate that at the end. They're like, no, like, faith is rewarded. You know, that's what the story of this movie is, is that, like, faith is important, hope is important, and those things pay off. Like, whether or not in a very tangible way, like, there actually is a boat out in the ocean, like all of these characters who died and sacrificed themselves all throughout this thing, like even if the boat never existed in the end, like those things meant something and those things were important, you yeah. know, and that's kind of the, the message of the movie. And then it's driven home at the end by showing this boat. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, I think what's so smart about it is that instead of it feeling like 
a movie that's like, oh, it's leaving it ambiguous to be artsy or whatever. It's leaving it ambiguous because you realize at the very end of the movie, if you haven't really picked on it, on it already, that this has all been a very big metaphor for something kind of obvious, but like, <laughs> you know, there's at a certain point, you know, the world is ending. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the, the metaphor of like, is the future going to even happen? Um, and it allows you to sort of be like, well, this is what we're working towards. And, you know, you can get caught up in like power plays and stuff. But if we don't like stop the world from dying, <laughs> yeah. we're going to be fucked. Um, and I don't even know if I really understood it as because it's not exactly an ecological like, you know, climate change movie. But it, mm-hmm. that can be laid on it. As well as, you know, living through a pandemic, like, there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things can be laid on it. And so I, you know, we we didn't record the night that we normally would record, right? Right. And um, usually I'll I'll watch the movie the night before we record, and then I'll kind of give, like, a fairly raw interpretation of it. I'm kind of starting to think now that I should start watching these movies (laughs) sooner so that I have a few days to digest. Because this really, like, I think my instant reaction to it was kind of a lot more like ironic and and funny than uh oh, yeah? anything else yeah because i had a whole thing where i was like uh i was laughing through a lot of the first half because of the idea of like the the um like british dystopia is very funny to me because it like <laughs> assumes this like status of england that oh like, yeah like why would england be the one that still exists <laughs> and like it has this very narrow vision of reality where like even in this hellscape future where nowhere has government except england like the enemies are still muslim and there's like a lot of right, that sort yeah, of stuff to true. like look at um but the more I thought about it and the more I digested it and the more I tried to kind of like lay this onto other things, I just like thought about it so much more. And like, you know, we were talking earlier about this kind of like spontaneous street party that happened throughout the country yesterday Yeah. when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were, you know, announced to have won, you know, the, the presidential race that we all knew they were going to win, that we all kind of knew they like nobody liked either of them you know what i mean like (laughs) kamala harris had to drop out before a single vote was cast for lack of interest right you know joe biden was losing his dick off for months (laughs) before finally like the entire democratic machine cranked its gears into place to say like you know this this is is what we're doing we're doing this right nobody was happy about this nobody liked him but still, and, and I think that's true of even like base level liberals. Nobody liked him. Most and people don't still, really love him. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day, I don't think anybody really likes him that much. But still, there was this spontaneous outpouring of joy yesterday that took to the streets. And, and it was infectious for a reason. It's because like people have had such a fucking garbage year. Like, <laughs> everybody's had a really garbage year it really you know it's like a real uh i think it's Watchmen. i get this quote from but it's like it rains on the just and the unjust alike you know like this is a year that's been shit for absolutely everybody and this thing that you know in your heart doesn't mean anything and possibly is even negative you know still was some sort of joy in this awful year 
that people just kind of like clung on to and just like really rode all the way home because it's like, what else are we going to get? <laughs> yeah. What else in 2020 are we going to get except for that? You know, and, and people need it. People need joy and they need hope. And it's like a really important emotional food that your body needs, you know? For sure. And like, I think that's what we were seeing yesterday. It was like, it's like when you go to, when you like drop a fucking you know, a a strawberry on the ground and all the ants come and get it, you know, it's like, it's just something that's there that everybody was like, it's hope, it's something, it's something to cling to, Uh you know, and, and it was, I don't know, it kind of reminded me a lot of this, the the scene in the movie where, you know, they're carrying the baby out and everybody just kind of like drops what they're doing to look at this baby. And then the end of it being that they get to this boat finally, but the boat, when you see it, it looks like a fucking fishing boat. It doesn't look like it's anything special. And you're yeah. kind of like, I don't know that gonna, like, what is it going to be? What's it going to be? What's going to be on that boat? That's going to be special. Like what is actually going to happen on the boat? We don't fucking know. Right. And like, we don't know if this baby's going to be okay. We hope. You know, like we don't know if the baby's even healthy. It was born in a fucking barn. You know, it's <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like it, you know, necessarily is born in the best conditions we don't know if this means there's going to be more babies for the world we don't know anything except there's a baby here right now we're going to put our guns down and we're going to fucking look at it because this is the only nice thing that's ever going to happen to us yes Uh, no totally and and i mean you know about there's one thing that I've conceded that Joe Biden will be better than Trump at. And it's only one thing, but it's mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they will do what's necessary, but I think they will do a lot more mm-hmm. uh, to try. To, they're going to try to do something. They're literally going to try. And that's all. <laughs> and I think <laughs> that, people that are. Is such a low bar to meet, but it is a, you know, it, it's a real thing. Like the only know? thing that can be done is like doing what Vietnam did is shutting fucking everything down and riding, you know, nurses on horses through the fucking streets and like, you know, giving people food and mm-hmm. PPE and like paying everybody money. I don't think that that's what America is going to do. We just don't have the infrastructure to do it because yeah, we, we pr- fundamentally like destroyed unless we're our ready fucking to. Com- yeah, unless Country. we're ready to instantly reimagine what America is tomorrow. Yeah. Which even if like the even in the best conditions ever, where like we all pick up the AKs and we <laughs> fucking seize it and it's it's you know, communist yeah. utopia, we're not ready to do that for months. Right. You know? <laughs> well, I, even I mean, even if it wasn't like, you know, that's almost seems hard to believe, but even if like Bernie Sanders won the presidency, mm-hmm. like he would have a lot of time like having to f- give fema like billions of dollars or you know because yeah. it's like the only structure that still exists to like help people in in our government and then like have them build up their infrastructure to go to like every city in america it, it's, it's and then hope that fema doesn't do fema shit yeah. and fucking blow it and ruin <laughs> it and waste all the money right. and like you know there's a lot that is bad and there's a lot that is wrong but having someone who's actively saying fuck you it doesn't matter if you die or all of your family dies is, you know, something that a lot of people in the, in the first world or whatever, like, quote unquote, uh, aren't used to. And I think people yeah. are faced with this, like, we don't live in the con- in a country, you know, lots of liberals don't didn't feel like they live in a country they thought they lived in. And so I think yeah. this is finally like, OK, at least this is the first hurdle that we have to jump over is like getting some a, 
an insane person. Well, it's like what was special about COVID in particular for the Trump years, right, is that like it's one of those things that really lays nationalism bare in a really special way that Mm. you don't see a lot of where like, like we all know what a nation is, right? A nation is a group of people (laughs) like, and, and when you have a situation like COVID where you fundamentally say like people don't matter, then you're like, then what is the nation? What is the nation, but the grouping of American people, even if you believe in nationalism and this America first ideology and whatever, like you can, you can mental gymnastics your way around, like why nationalism doesn't include, you know, state-run healthcare. You can mental gymnastics your way around why yeah. you know you believe that America is special and American people are special and we should protect that and like but we don't deserve nice things for each other, you know, like we can't invest in our infrastructure because whatever. Like you can mental gymnastics your way around that. But when the government strictly says like, "Sorry, it's every man for himself. We're not going to give you any money to help you. We're not going to do a single thing to help you. You're sick." you're going to die. Maybe you're not going to die. And if you don't die on the other side of this, guess what? America first, baby. Let the eagles soar. You know, like (laughs) this is one of those times where like it kind of, it's like we were saying earlier, uh, the, you know, when the, when the laptop goes to the screensaver and you finally see the reflection, (laughs) you know, it, it really kind of puts it in front of you in a way that you can't really deny like, Oh, this is actually not what I thought this was. I don't actually (laughs) even like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been really tough for everybody, uh, especially very poor people. Um, and I, I and I don't hold it against anybody for feeling relief, you know, that Trump yeah. won't be a president anymore. Like, again, I am not a Democrat. I don't like Joe Biden. I think it will be maybe worse in a lot of ways. But I do understand the relief of feeling somebody so vile and in deeply selfish and evil (laughs) not being there before like that's fine you don't i mean it doesn't like ruin your communist cred to think that but even if like you don't even want to take it that far (laughs) and say like you know that good is rewarded you can say evil is punished and that's something that's fine you know that's something to take with you and put a feather in your cap because you deserve a feather, you know, like <laughs> everybody nice deserves a feather. A feather. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that I took from children and men kind of is that it's like, it's, it's not as much a like optimistic movie as it is an anti-pessimistic movie. I feel like the message yeah. of this movie is anti-black pill. It is saying like, <laughs> it is saying like the people who are black pilled fucking suck and they have nothing to give. They yeah. have nothing to give this world. You have no, you have no <laughs> idea what to do either. And yeah. I, that's what's so nihilism is garbage. And you <laughs> see it in that moment where like, you can't, you can't deny that moment when everybody puts the guns down and looks at the baby that you're like, hope is the better one. Right. Like being a nihilist blows. You, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that scene. And, and one of it's, I mean, like you said, it's maybe one of the best scenes of all time. Like it's up there with, I don't even know what to compare it to, like in terms of like great scenes from film. Uh, but it's, if there was an honest cut together, like, you know, Oscars, you know, of like the best scenes that have ever been filmed, like it would be in there, I think. Yeah. Um, and that, seeing that in the theater when I was 20 years old uh, mm-hmm. was 
something of a religious experience for me. You know, like yeah. it was, I remember specifically in that scene, once the bomb goes off at the end, like somebody starts, like someone shoots a RPG behind them and like you just kind of snap out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was, like my face had been crying and I wasn't aware of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was intense in a way that I've never seen a movie be intense. Yeah. I um, mean, my tears have been at the surface for, you know, months now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've told you this already that I I, uh, I cried at a picture of Tommy Pickles because I found out that Tommy oh. Pickles was supposed to be a preemie. Like, in the story, oh, Tommy Pickles is, was born prematurely. <laughs> And so, like, that's the level of, like, where where I cry at these days. <laughs> it really only takes, like, a little drop to be like, oh, and it's all coming yeah. out. <laughs> so, like, there was a lot of times as we were, I was like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> God damn it. Dude, I mean, I wasn't, like, I know, I knew what was going to happen in this movie, and I'd seen it at least four times in mm-hmm. my life, and I couldn't. I couldn't believe the emotional reaction I had to like that, that scene in particular, but a lot of the scenes in the movies, even now, just because like, you know, we live in a world that has concentration camps again. And like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where there's, like I said, there's refuge, there's literal people in cages, there's executions, there's deportees, there's a refugee camps. Um, It's a stark reaction. Cause it's all feels like somebody, imagining what would happen if like Nazis came back mm-hmm. in 2006 and how much Quran got right is fucking scary. It's yeah. weird. And you can really lay a lot of what happened. You know, it's just, there is a crisis, but like the coronavirus crisis and the depression that we're in right now is just like a crisis, like anything else. The climate crisis that we're in is crisis, like a uh, crisis, like anything else. And I think what's so smart about it is that it takes the crisis and makes it, almost sci-fi right where it's like babies can't be born right so you can kind of lay any crisis on it but the reaction political reaction of the rest of the world like kind of is super correct Mm -hmm. is what happens it's how power works and i feel like it's one of the only movies i've ever seen that like really deeply understands how power works it does and it also understands like emotional human response to these things where like yeah the the like death of hope throughout this is such a like it's such a familiar feeling to a lot of things (laughs) like because another thing that i was laying onto this that's much less serious is um the death of stand-up comedy and kind of like the way that like comedy is such a joyless thing now for so many people who participate Mm. in it because we all know it's over you know like this coronavirus has kind of like put the final nail in this coffin of like this art form but this art form is over in it and the writing's been on the wall for it for a very long time really you know People, you know, like, people don't go to live events as much anymore. People don't go out to see shit that much anymore. And people aren't interested in this antiquated form of of media that, like, it is itself already kind of a throwback. And it was a throwback in its heyday. You know, in the 80s, (laughs) in the boom, when it was, like, the biggest thing in the world, it was itself a throwback. You know, and now it's a throwback to the 80s, which was a throwback <laughs> to the 50s, which was a throwback to like vaudeville, vaudeville yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's silliness yeah. to think that it should still exist. But we all keep doing it because what else are you going to do? Right. And then 
the the scene with the baby i was like that's kind of like those moments where like somebody like actually makes it and you're like oh my god like <laughs> you can still be a stand i was thinking of jabuki i was thinking oh. of like when jabuki came around and we first met him and like he had like 2000 twitter followers and he was just this like little kid who moved here from chicago and we were like damn dude like you're pretty funny you're going to be something you know it's like pretty clear you're really talented like you're going to be pretty funny and then, like, he went super viral and popped off and then, like, got on all these different shows. And he was, like, suddenly in the echelons of, like, the big comics. And then he, yeah. like, moves out to L.A. And he's, like, working on TV shows. And he's, like, getting Comedy Central specials and whatever. And you're, like, God damn, man. <laughs> like, it can actually fucking happen. You and you, like, watch funny. him ascend. And you're, like, damn, it really can happen. All right. Back to hopelessness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, for me... It's something that uh, I said on Twitter this week after Joe Biden, um, it was called for Joe Biden, which I started starting to wonder if like it could it could possibly end up being a Gore v. Bush thing. I hope <laughs> uh, there's too many holes in the boat. I really can't picture it. <laughs> I can't picture it either. So I'm just trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. But someone I, do, I personally don't see much energy this sort of like like i said like kind of blue maga sort of like yeah fuck you we're gonna make america great again with joe biden mm-hmm. uh i don't know if i can make see that energy coming becoming anything to foment's actual change right um and and i think that's extremely grim actually if you think about it and you know but we have to that doesn't mean nothing can be done that yeah. there's a lot of work to be done. And I think what's really great about all of this is that for some reason, the people who I think know better have started saying the only thing that can save us from this is a new party. And we have to start thinking about what that new party is going to look like and yeah. what it's going to do and what it's going to be consisted of. And I, that gives me a lot of hope. Like there's this, I may not have faith that it's going to happen, but I do have a lot of hope that it could happen. Um, if enough people start talking about it openly and start considering themselves communists openly and start considering themselves anti-capitalists openly uh, and knowing that there's a blueprint that we can use to, you know, fix things actually, uh, you can have a moment where everyone looks and says, wait, we could really give everyone health care. We could really, you know, make people not homeless anymore. We don't yeah. need that. Um, and once you have somebody who can see it, once you have a group of citizens who can look at it and say, we could do that, then mm-hmm. things kind of change in the air. All the atmosphere changes. And this movie really makes you feel like that's how it's, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. It's There's, uh, crazy. It's, it's a crazy <laughs> fucking movie. And I feel like we didn't really touch on this, but I'd like to a little bit like, this is the best directed movie. Like <laughs> I know. it's unbelievable <laughs> just on a technical level, like how much Quran is doing in this that like nobody does. Nobody yeah. does this sort of shit where like you do these long shots that are also huge action sequences with practical action. Like this isn't computer animated later adding the explosions. The explosions really happening. You yeah. know, the, the Clive Owen could really get hurt doing this stunt. Oh yeah. Like, the the big long scene that we talked about earlier the eight minute you know long shot 
almost immediately the, the blood gets on the lens. <laughs> and so for the rest of the shot, you have blood on the lens and you're like, it's breaking the immersion a little bit, but you're like, I don't care because I'm like so enamored with the fact that they are getting this shot yeah. and they're just going with it. It's crazy how good that is. And there's like um, the scene where uh, Ju- uh, I want to call her Julie Roberts, Julianne but it's not Julie Moore. Roberts, Julianne Moore, uh, when she gets killed, that scene is so oh, crazy God. too because it just happens. It doesn't like, there. there's no drama to it. It just happens. She gets popped and she's dead. Right. And that's what and I was saying about pumpkin head. the rest of the movie. <laughs> there's this sense of like panic in mm-hmm. a way that it's so, it's so hard to describe because you've seen panic in a movie. Like you can think of dumb versions of this, of, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? say any slasher movie, you've seen somebody be like, "Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! No. Oh my god! What oh are we god. gonna do?" But yeah. like the specific, if you've ever been in a situation where someone gets actually hurt, or you know, a car accident, or something, there's this sense of like high pitched buzzing in everybody's eyes, and like people are talking with this weird sort of like. Do some people have just like snapped into adrenaline mode, like go call the hospital, like you know, like everything gets really serious, right? And then other people are just flipping out, and like it's hard to really capture that because you don't want all of the actors to take the same, you know, stance, but you don't want it to be so like wave around, run around, right. and wave your arms in the air. Um, so it, it it can go either way, but Pumpkinhead has that one scene that's really good. But this movie is like every scene is like it's that. almost every scene. Yeah, it's pretty much everything in this movie is that all the time. Yeah, and and the Julianne Moore scene is crazy because it's like there's so many stunts that are happening around it too mm-hmm. that are coordinated that like the camera doesn't give a shit about. Yeah, like there's a guy in a motorcycle that like Clive Owen fucking opens the door and like doors him and knocks him over and he like like vroom, like flies up <laughs> in the air and falls over and the whatever. Bike hits the windshield. And- yeah, and there's no cutaway. There's no like yeah. cutaway to catch that. We didn't, you know, we didn't get coverage on it. <laughs> it's like we just watch it happen through the windshield and then that guy's gone and then Julianne Moore is bleeding out and that's it. You know, <laughs> right? And you're sort of like in a movie. You don't know what. You know, if you've never seen this movie, you don't really know what kind of movie this is going to be. Yeah. And Julianne Moore is a huge actress. Like, she's a name. And so you're like, well, I'm sure they'll fix her. No. No. She's immediately dead. Like, (laughs) And uh, in a very abrupt, like, non... Like, it's not sexy at all. It's not exciting. She doesn't get a, like, I've always loved you or I care. You know, there's no words. She's like her eyes are glazed over and she's her neck is just gushing with blood and he's like trying to force it back in and that's it like yeah. <laughs> uh it's horrific yeah a- and it i made a comparison to handmaid's tale before and yeah. it's something that i think handmaid's tale does really well in like maybe the first season i can't remember if this is first or second season that i only this ever saw the first one it's like it's an okay show it it, it feels like it's getting kind of shitty now uh-huh. Um, but the first and second season, I believe, were really good. Um, but there was a scene where um, there's like one of the handmaids is a lesbian and she's uh, having an affair with one of the Marthas or something like that. Okay. And they find out and they're like, they black bag the both of them, put them in the back of the van and they're driving them around. And, and the shot 
in the scene is in the in the van and the one woman is like fuck you you fucking fascist pricks fucking kill us then you know like fucking yeah. kill us i don't give a shit like we're fucking living our lives whatever like you know just cursing this guy because she knows the 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 underlying secret there right is that like if you can get pregnant then you're untouchable right Right. Mm -hmm. so she's like fuck you you fucking fascist pig whatever and they like stop the van open the back door put a noose over the martha's neck and then just drive the van away and she gets pulled up on a crane and hung and the shot again no coverage of it you know we're just still in the back of the van watching her get craned up and (laughs) fucking killed as like the woman is just like what 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 and it's insane how that good that fucking season. sequence is. Yeah, that that's there's stuff. It's so funny because it's like there's stuff in this movie that has stuck with me so deeply that when I see stuff like that in like prestige television now, I'm like, oh, that's like in Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's I don't know if he in, he it's like he invented stuff for this movie. Right. Um, and, and yeah, that that is a definitely uh, the fucking House on Haunted Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. scene where in the that one episode that's like all one shot um, oh you mean um uh haunting of hill house it's haunting of hill house um house on haunted hill is vincent price <laughs> yeah it's uh, a movie <laughs> it's with a skeleton uh <laughs> no that's that show that had that one s- episode that's like all one shot where like uh they're in the funeral parlor and like they end they they allow themselves to do like jump scares without cutting right incredible like everyone has talked about how good that scene is but to me like the lineage of that scene goes back to this movie and it's funny because quran and his like friends like in um Mm -hmm. like did birdman and birdman is like a movie that is famously kind of all one shot you know um, but that movie sucks. Uh, oh, I like Birdman. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, yes, that's true. It doesn't matter at all. I, I liked Birdman okay, except that it was just a remake of Eight and a Half and didn't really build mm-hmm. on that. Um, and it, and even Eight and a Half is like it's not important. You yeah, know? none of this a, shit is important. It's a better movie, and it doesn't do much except for like poor directors or whatever. Um, it's fine. It's a it's a it's an interesting movie, but it doesn't need to be one long shot. You know, it just feels like mm-hmm. a little bit like jerking oh, I off. I kind of think it. I it makes sense as this sort of like building of tension to this like one final pop that they of then the... puss out of right. when he like <laughs> that he shoots himself and then he doesn't die and whatever. But then you're like, well, maybe he you know, secretly did yeah, die yeah, and that yeah. was just his. His little like last dying thought. <laughs> right, but what's great about Quran is that he uses that technique for a very specific reason, mm-hmm. and like I think there he's a little bit wanky with it. Um, in like Roma, uh, where it's like you could have cut; it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not. He's no. He's no Bellatar. But like this movie is like he because in some of this stuff, it's like he choreographed it so deeply some of them actually are other cuts that he's using and he's stitching together um but with trick editing Mm -hmm. um and it's but it's so perfectly done that you don't notice it and it's important because the car scene wouldn't be the same if you ever cut because it would take the energy out of it would ruin it absolutely fucking ruin it. it's necessary and i think he knew he knows it very deeply and it's very important and so i think that this movie like you said it's one of the best directed films of all time yeah um it's and it's 
little things too where like there's we're talking about this kind of like uh like agnostic camera that it has where it just kind of like doesn't really uh it it is focusing on something for some reason right and and yeah yeah there's these times like in the car where it's like the important thing is what's happening in the car all this other shit doesn't matter so we're not following that right mm-hmm. but then there's times where it's like fucking Clive Owen and whatever the hell he's up to who cares we're looking <laughs> over at this like refugee in in a cage oh yeah you know there's all these times where the camera just like pans away from him fully and just looks at something else for a little while and then is like oh hey what, what's Clive up to let's go let's yeah. go find him again <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of scenes like when they uh the sort of white lady with dreads who gets like yanked out of the bus uh absolutely heartbreaking scene horrific uh the if you i mean i'm sure you've hopefully are a little bit familiar at this point uh but at, one of the fishes lady comes with them after um they find out they're going to kill Clive Owen um and that fish's lady is a white lady with dreads for some reason. And uh, I guess because she's sort of like an anarchy kind of girl. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be that or if it was supposed to just be like, this, these are the conditions of this world. Like, it's not really easy to maintain it. Like, yeah, hair it's anymore. kind of it's an interesting choice because it's like uh, there's like this cultural significance now. But you kind of are like, well, she seems like kind of like a school marm. It might be. Yeah, just and like they're not like nice dreads. They're not like right. they don't look like on purpose or anything. They look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so she uh is with them and then after a long she's one of the last people they lose. Uh I think she's the last person they lose. Um uh they're they're pretending after the fascist guy helps them break into the prison, the, into the refugee camp. Um she uh isn't able to pretend that she's an um, you know, the, for whatever reason they take her away. Um and that the camera stays in the bus and then they like black bag her head and then like force her to kneel down. And you're just like watching Clive Owen, like, like have a thousand yard stare at the back of the seat in front of him, not looking at it. Ugh, it's yeah, because they can't tip that they know this person. Yeah. He's trying to just be like, Oh, I'm just, I was helping or whatever. Uh, and, and the woman getting black bag does not look like she's distressed about it because it's, this kind of like this thing that we talked about earlier that it's like once this baby is in the picture everybody is willing to sacrifice everything yeah and like that's kind of this ever-present thing where it's like people are just willing to do these outrageous things to to save this baby and i was trying to think like this is just a silly thought maybe to end on to kind of like (laughs) cut this a little bit i was like when i was watching everybody you know have this reaction i was like i wonder like what it would take for me to have that reaction to something like when everybody like drops their guns and looks at the baby, it's like, what would you have to see? Yeah. To, like in your life personally to be like, like God. I'm going to, I'm going to stop <laughs> defending my life to see this. I think it would have to be like a dinosaur. Like it would have to be something that's like so out of the realm of believability that I'm like, sorry, I got to stop doing war for a second here. <laughs> well, I think it's harder. Cause it's like, what, what would even make me get into doing a war? Like, right. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of what kind of conditions would I have had to have been in where I'm like picking up arms against somebody or running from somebody who's armed? Um, yeah, it's very hard to put yourself in that situation. But like, yeah, if you you've you've spent this whole film 
kind of living in the the disaster of you know humanity staring itself staring at its own death right like yeah. that's that's the whole point of the movie is that there's no real explanation of like why the economy would stop cuz it's like it's not like there's any less workers to exploit or like it's just people are just like realizing that things are going to end and yeah. there's no way to stop it and there will be no one to care for you and there'll be no one left um and so whatever that looks like for us uh whatever that looks like it would be a symbol of that that something has changed that actually something will change and there will be a future um and it's hard to imagine that being a single thing <laughs> yeah uh but I would like to see it, I have to say. <laughs> I would like to see it. Yeah, it would have to be... You know what it would be? Um, Lennon. <laughs> just just straight up 20 years old Lennon. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Russian. <laughs> just, I'm back. Like in The Simpsons, punching yeah, through exactly. the glass. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's, he's Lennon, he punches his way out of the glass case, and he comes out, but he talks like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon like going up to Bernie and being like, "This is what we're gonna do." Yeah, <laughs> and then being like, "Oh, first God. and foremost, I'm gonna use my communist magic to make you 20 again." <laughs> and we're gonna do, yeah. Uh, and it's, I, but I think that there's a certain point that I think the, one of the things I really hope for in the future, in the next four years, and I'm dead serious about this. I, this is what I'm hoping for. Don't have faith that it'll happen, but I do hope that it will happen. Uh, is there gets to a point where reacting like this to something is possible because you're put in a situation where if you believe that you can sacrifice something or that you can put enough energy together as a group that we could actually change something and end a fascist regime. Like, I think that that's what's going to have to get to. And I, I, I hope that could happen. <laughs> soon i've got high high hopes i got high high hopes for a living <laughs> anyway it's a fantastic movie if we can't it's you, it's the best you if, gotta watch if it if you can't if you can't uh, tell we absolutely recommend it i'm so glad yeah. you liked it because i wasn't sure i hadn't seen it in so long that i was like mm-hmm. i hope this has aged well i hope it's not like some weird you know yeah no i definitely ha- was like mambly, on mambly. the cusp at the beginning i was like goofing on it a fair amount with, with all like the dialogue in the beginning <laughs> yeah. and like the idea of the british dystopia and stuff i was like writing down jokes just like all right i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna rip this apart yeah and then at some point you're just like oh god uh so absolutely if you haven't seen children of men it, it's funny because i feel like in some in some areas of the internet, it's respected in the way that I think it should be, which is mm-hmm. as one of the great films of of the I think 20th it's century, unfortunately 20 sec- 21st century. <laughs> uh, I think it's unfortunately probably the same corners of the internet as like like Nolan worship and stuff. Like I kind of feel like it's okay. it's maybe seen in a similar way. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I could see it though. I could understand why the same people would gravitate towards it where they're like, it's like an action movie, but a thinking man's action movie because it is at its core. This is an action packed movie. That's true. And there's really, really innovative and exciting and interesting action choreography and right. directing going on here. It's almost crazy to think about it. Cause I think it's so politically and emotionally powerful. Uh, but yeah, it, there is a lot of guns. There's mm-hmm. a lot of running there's a car chase car crashes uh, chases yeah but yeah 
Um, and th- I guess that makes sense. But in my, from what I can see, it's definitely not like considered to be like an important movie. And I really, yeah, no, it I really didn't think get nominated it, for <laughs> any of the big ones. Yeah. You'd think it would. And I really think it should be. So I highly recommend it. And I'm glad you liked it. Well, this has been Generation Lost. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being with us. You can follow me at Kinomatography. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder and on Twitter and also Jeremy Thunder on YouTube. Uh, you can listen to my other show, BP Lettuce. You can f- listen to Jeremy's other show, Ballin' Out Super. Uh, and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Generation Loss. Uh, you can get access to the Discord where we hang out. And you can also watch these movies uh, on the Discord with all of the other patrons. Um, and it's a fun time. So thanks so much to Pfeiffer for doing that. And uh, we'll see you there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Of the crimson. Yeah. 